It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. This week, we've got a really fantastic guest on. Um, I recorded him a little while ago, but I'm really um, pleased that we can put this out now. Um, his name is Hussein Manawa, and he's a fantastic poet. Um, he does some incredible performance poetry, and he's a real champion for mental health. So let's get chatting to him. Hussein, thank you very much for joining us on Mentally Yours. I'll just throw you right in at the deep end. Do you think men find it harder to talk about mental health issues than women? First of all, I'd like to say thanks for having me on Mentally Yours. Um, I think depends on the demographic of men you're talking about. A lot of young people I work with find it a lot easier. They tend to be more open. I think the older generation do find it a lot difficult when you talk about men. Um, so yeah, I can't generalise and say one type of the whole group of men find it hard. But yeah, generally, yes. But when you break it down into demographics, amongst us men, certain age groups have it easier. Have you found it difficult, personally? No-ish. Because I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. So it's like, I'd be lying. And your real ones around you will know when you're lying. So therefore... I couldn't really tell somebody something that wasn't true. So I had to speak up. Mm. I didn't really have a choice. And where I'm a poet, a lot of that was echoing through my work. So people just put two and two together. Yeah. And for me, it just became like a lot easier to just express myself like that, as opposed to being like, oh, can I chat to you about something? Do you find it difficult to just kind of chat? Is it easier Not to anymore. do? Not anymore. Not yeah. anymore. Like I could talk to anyone and let anybody talk to me. I'd like to think about a range of things and not feel pressured or intense and be able to handle it, I think, in the correct way. So I'm, I've become a lot better at um, handling situations and people. In terms of your poetry, um, mm. when did you start writing? I started writing poetry when I was in year 10. Um, I had a really good English teacher called Michael Noakes, um, Miss Shirley Forbes. Um, obviously, I didn't call him Michael or Shirley. That was miss and so at the time and they really they introduced me to caroline duffy and um rattle rap became one of my favorite poems and michael rosen and from there i just started writing and initially nothing i ever wrote for the first like five to six years of writing was about mental health on my mind or anything it was all just about like lifestyle culture things and then eventually i kind of evolved into that what was the response like when you started going into mental health things at first you know what at first honestly people were a bit shocked. Like, a lot of my friends and that would laugh. Yeah. They'd be like, bruv, you're a bit mad. Like, why are you going to talk about that for? No one chats about that and, and things like that. And I thought, yeah, but that's more of a reason for me to talk about it. And um, then when I did it, like, I trusted my gut with it, put it out there, and then the response was phenomenal. Like, where I've performed, who I've performed with, who I've shared the stage with, where I've ended up has been remarkable. And that's made me feel like I've played a little role in society. Yeah, for sure. So at first it was, it was like, uh, it was a bit difficult. But then I was just like, just do it, just get on with it. And now I was very happy I did. 
Do you find the act of writing and performing poetry um, kind of helpful and sort of, I suppose, soothing or healing at all in terms of your mental health? A hundred percent. Do you know what I feel like? You remember them bubble gums, bubble, uh, bubble, no, bubble, bubble, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, like, the juice inside it. Yeah, I feel like for me, like. Imagine my brain is a bubble <laughs> and you squeeze it and that little juice comes out. That's that juice that needed to be released. Like, I don't know if that's the worst analogy in the world no, and may discredit me as like a poet. It's like a pressure build-up. Yeah, but like that. And um, it's kind of like when you drain the sponge and all the water comes out, draining all of that from my mind, I really feel it. It just vomits out and it makes me feel a lot lighter. And it, um, I think everybody has their own form of, like, mindfulness release mine just happens to be in the form of a pen or keyboard football drama pottery making yoga whatever it is for me i have to do it if i don't write for a few days like i'll get proper caught up in my feelings and um i remember when i went, I went on a stag do and everyone everyone went out and i was like before i go out i have to write even if i sit there and write nothing i just have to know i've tried otherwise things build up relatively quickly for me were the people you want to stag do with cool with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's they, really nice. they are, they are. They're, they're proper cool. Like, I think everyone around me has now come to a point of um, acceptance. Yeah. And like, okay, yeah, he needs a space and um, we need to give him that. And like equally, we do it for each other in each other's circumstance. Like no one's problem is the same. So I might be dealing with something mentally, whereas someone else might be dealing with a divorce or someone might also have like an alcohol alcohol problem. So... I think the older we've become, the more accepting we've become of each other's differences. And we like to, yeah, I've got a really good friendship yeah. group. Yeah, because it's like, it's all the people I still went to school with. So we've seen each other grow. And at times it becomes very difficult. Because you're like, you're not the person I used to know, man. Come on, man. And it's just like, I can't say that to you. I just have to understand what you're going through is something you've never experienced. And you'll one day come through it. And it's nice. When I think about it, like, telling you know it's nice because some people don't have anyone has being open about sort of mental health stuff um made your friends more open with you about their own issues yeah 100 percent. we're all we all say like we're each other's therapists and uh, we've got a whatsapp group called the guardians and um uh that's nothing off the newspaper by the way <laughs> the guardians of the galaxy is where we got it from and basically because there's a few of us in there someone's always awake do you know what I'm saying? And it's not like a group where people go in there and say, let's go out on a Friday night. It'll be like someone will send an emoji and everyone will kind of know, oh, that person's a bit upset, like call them or ring them and things like that. So yeah, 100%, it's really good. It's very good. And the fact that some, it's like mixed as well with boys and girls. So like a lot of my guy friends won't really talk to me, but they'll talk to the girls. And a lot of the girls will find it easier to talk to some of the guys. So it's nice that this simple analogy of a group amongst us friends, even though we're all different parts of the country, works. Yeah, I think someone else was who was on here was talking about a WhatsApp group. John Salmon was talking yeah. about that, and it's really interesting as, as a guy sort of saying about that because we were talking to him about sort of men and mental health, and he has a group of friends. Mm. Again, I, yeah, WhatsApp seems to be key in that, I think, because a lot of the time it is easier, I think, to write things down and share 100%. them. 100%. And to have than... it as a group rather than one-to-one, yeah. -one, which can feel quite intense. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Like, there's one of my friends, right? Um, you, he will never chat to you face-to-face. -face. I mean, you can go to a football match, you can play football, you can go wherever and do whatever. And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, smiles. The moment you've dropped him home and he's gone home, text messages will start flying in. I know I wasn't myself today. And it's just like, wow, the fact that he still feels uncomfortable... 
throughout all these years means we just need to keep giving him the space mm. and that freedom where one day he will be able to sit and say these things in person. And he might not be able to, and, that, and that's fine, but we're just happy he, he ha- feels comfortable to say it to us because if he didn't, we don't know where he would be like in his mind and stuff. Mm. On a personal level, when did you start kind of realising you had your own mental health struggles? Probably like when I was uh, 20, 21, mm. 26 now. And it doesn't go. Like, I don't think it goes. If anything, as the more life goes, the harder it probably gets. Um, I'd like to think, or I, I know really from my own experience, I don't know, everyone else is different. And some people may have gone through things and recovered and fully healed. And I think due to certain life circumstances, situations became a lot harder and intense. I mean, it overwhelmed me mm-hmm. quite quick. Started in uni, I was unhappy at uni and was relatively depressed because I hated it. Everyone loved it. Everyone's like, yeah, uni time, best time of your life. You're going to make so many friends and all of this. I didn't have that. Didn't make no friends. I'm not I'm not even an antisocial person. I just didn't, my values didn't align with the yeah. people. And then um, moving on after that, started work, was unhappy in the job I was in. I'm in debt from this degree I didn't like doing, but it made my parents happy. So where did I fit and blah, blah. And then, life kicks in after that, doesn't it? And you start losing people due to death and other things. And then you just learn to cope with things a lot better. How have your family responded to you um, talking about mental health and to your poetry? You know what? Yeah, I remember the first time I ever said to my mum, I'm going to become a poet. She started laughing. She was like, what are you going to do that for? And I was just like, mum, I love it. And then she didn't understand it. But then as time went on and like I started doing shows with people like Ellie Golding and Cher and I was doing festivals and all of these things, everyone around me was just like, wow, okay. But I think for them it's difficult because they see me in a different light. Like I'm just their son or my someone's brother is in his bedroom on his laptop. And they're just like, how is he experiencing all of these things without telling us? And I'm like, the same way everyone else is experiencing things in this house and not telling me. Like, it works the same for Mm. all of us. Um, Now it's become a lot more open, which is good because especially amongst the Asian community, that doesn't happen. And uh, my dad used the word anxious the other day for the first time in his life. And I was like, breakthrough. He's starting to now talk. And it was incredible. Like, he brought it up himself. He was just like something... I can't remember what it was. Yeah, something made him feel anxious. I think it was driving in the snow or something like that. And um, I was like, oh, so you do feel anxious over things? And he was just like, well, who... who?" And and then we started, like, opening that relationship. But yeah, at first, they were very shocked. I graduated in quantity surveying. Do you know what I mean? It was a very, like, straight-thinking job and you're going to end up in a construction site and... And that's it. The moment I said, I'm not doing that and I'm going into poetry, they were just like, well, you can't do that. Like, mm. what's that? How do you get a job in that? And um, so, yeah, it was good. And especially amongst my local community, I've definitely seen a lot of change amongst young people and people in general, especially a lot of um, a lot of women reach out to me as well who are in like um, difficult circumstances. Things that Things go on that you'd never think would go on in this world. And I'm just happy to be a vessel of communication where people feel comfortable to talk to me and I'm able to spark a conversation in somebody's house because they're like oh yeah Hussein did it and then it gets the ball rolling for them. Do you think there are any issues around mental health that are specific to the Asian community? That's a very good question. It's a very good question. 100 
percent. I think so. I think not any issues with regards to a psychological term. Yeah. In the sense of there are understanding issues on the back end from the Asian community, because like the majority of Indians and Pakistanis came to England in the 1960s and they faced a different set of problems that this generation are now facing. So they faced like, I think, on hand racism and manual labor and they had to graft and they were hardworking and they were building and they built these successful careers and infrastructures for the younger generation to now come into which now the problems have changed it's more of there's more drug taking there's more uh dare i say it, but prostitution mm. there's loads of things that don't align with traditional asian values so when somebody comes home and says oh i'm depressed automatically it's because Oh, it's because you're hanging out with so-and-so. It's because, yeah, you were doing this. It's because you don't pray. It's because there's a devil. Or the... And all of a sudden, it becomes like this. Everything, but it's not. Mm. It's like... And of course, yeah, I get it. The wider society can have its impact and influences on a person. But also, that person could genuinely just be feeling that type of way. So there's an understanding issue. And language, language as well. Yeah. Um, that also because, like, I know from first hand trying to explain to somebody who can't speak English, can't speak English, what psychosis is. When I don't really understand psychosis myself, then trying to explain schizophrenia or your son has eating disorders and things like that, where there's a big language barrier communication problem as well. But we're getting there. I think slowly, slowly we're getting there, and I think entertainment and the arts play such a big part in it especially in like Bollywood films having mental health storylines and you see like the the diversity or the, the little diversity you do see you you will see issues addressed on television that will allow conversations in the house to be made a lot easier because someone from like EastEnders has gone through it and stuff like that so what more do you think can be done um, specifically to improve that understanding, to bring things forward, particularly in the Asian community? I think the main thing we could give to each other is our time and our education, because time is a valuable asset that you can never take back from somebody once you've given it to them. And so is education. So if we sit down with each other and we educate each other on these subject matters as to what they are, we'd all have a better idea of addressing it and facing it head on. I once heard a story about... Um, an elephant in a room, in a pitch pitch black room. So there's four of us sitting around this table right now. I'll turn the lights off and we all touch a part of this elephant. You will say, oh, I got it. I've got something and it's quite hairy and it's prickly. He might grab something and be like, oh, this is quite rough and hard. You might think, oh, this just poked me. And I might think, oh, this is really soft. Until we put the lights on and we see we're all addressing the same thing. So I think the lack of education on a subject can lead to multiple opinions and interpretations of it so we need to be educated and i think that can be done via like school support groups families getting involved within the school network supporting the teachers to support your family and not just for the asian community but that's just generally as well i've seen it from every background white asian black um that i think is the main key is education educating yourself educating your parents like i don't expect anybody's parents to understand the world of social media when we don't understand the world of social media ourselves. So we can't say, oh, it's the mum's fault, your son's getting cyberbullied and getting depressed. When she's saying to him, yeah, just X the screen, it's deeper than that. So we need to, like, understand what we're dealing with, this 
the subject and then educate ourselves on it. Do you think it should be compulsory in schools? Yeah, 100%. It's such a nightmare like that. It's not... I do so much work. Like I've been into hundreds of schools across the world and the amount of people that like have this thirst for knowledge, for understanding their brain. Like I feel like it, in some way it's a human right to understand why you're thinking the way you're thinking. And um, 100%, I've seen that. I've, I've watched the debates in Parliament and signed petitions and started petitions and campaigned for it and all sorts, but doesn't really doesn't really do much in the grand scheme of things because people are still committing suicide at young rate. So it's definitely needed in schools. Um, one approach I've started to take, last year I set a world record for the world's largest mental health lesson. So I partnered with King's College in Hackney Empire and set this world record. And we had 20 schools come down, the event was free, and we had a professor, Till Wikes, who led this lesson on depression, anxiety, marijuana, how to ask for help, what to do if you're not getting help, who to go to help to, all on mental health. And he had a room of 600 people, silent, listening to this. And it was like, they want to learn, give the people what they want, give them what they need, otherwise we'll just keep losing people. And I think bullying and stuff like that is, is sad because it does exist, it is very much alive online and in real life, which makes it a harder world to live in. And... um. Yeah, it needs to be. We need to know. I'd rather have learned about my brain than how to make French bread pizza. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a lot of things I'd rather have learned. And fractions, like, come on, eight times table never helped me in my life. Do you know what Sometimes I'm saying? Sometimes maths is controversial. It might be, but like, I don't. It doesn't. I don't. I didn't need it for five years. Yeah. What if Pythagoras helped you? Sometimes it does. Just Maybe, saying to do any kids saying? listening, <laughs> maths is important yeah, and it's Psychology cool. is too. So yeah. I, yeah. They should but, make time for that as well, I think. Okay, let's just say like... I think if you need to understand textiles. how... Textiles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah God, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was making a pencil case when I could easily buy one for like 50p, <laughs> but I'm learning to make one. And that's taking up time. I'd rather have learned about what to do when I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Exam stress. We're not suggesting that anyone gives up maths. No, math, you need maths. Maths yeah. Speaking of um, maths and world records, are you going to space? It's a rumour, isn't it? Yeah. Don't believe the hype. What's happening? <laughs> I don't get it. All right, so, uh, what was it? Nearly two years ago now, yeah. I entered a global competition. It was open to 90 countries and 30,000 people entered it. And um, I won the competition. What did you have to do to enter? It was it's like... It's like an it was like X Factor yeah. for like people who speak and activists and stuff like that, humanitarians. And um there was various stages, um, delivering videos, writing proposals, writing speeches, and the final stage was a speech I had to deliver in Thailand. And I delivered this mental health keynote um in front of a world audience and I won and the prize I won was a trip into space. So earlier, well, about eighteen months ago, I started space training. And um, it was really exciting. It was interesting. I learned how to fly an aeroplane. Um, since then, my space trip has been put on hold because the company has various technical issues. Oh, yeah, but I've been over to NASA. Um, I've met Scott Kelly, who was the longest serving American astronaut. Met Ron Garan, who's been to space. I chatted to a few astronauts on, on WhatsApp. And um, yeah, I was, I was actually talking to one on the phone earlier today as well. So yeah, space is an exciting but long-term... Yeah. What does Dream. space like training involve? Um, so I did an exercise called G-Force Aerobatic Flight Training okay. with a German pilot called Hank. And um, it was learning how to fly a, fight, 
fire, fire oh, some type of airplane, I forgot what it was called now, and experiencing weightlessness, mm. um, G-force, no gravity. It's, it's good. It was it fun. Cool. Yeah, and I dedicated my space trip to everyone that suffers through with mental health issues. And um, it was nice because the amount of people that reached out to me after that was very, very overwhelming. Yeah. Was there any kind of mental health aspect to the training? Because I'd imagine like going up into space. I don't know. Be... Yeah, I haven't really got that far in thinking, mm. if I'd be completely honest with you, because no date's been set. Mm. Like they were saying I should have gone in 2018, but that was a very ambitious statement. So it's like when I went to the tr- training grounds or facility or whatever you want to call it, I felt like I was at Orton Towers. It just felt like, yeah, I'm on a school trip. Mm. Like I'm, I'm the only one here. That's mm. all it felt like. It didn't. I tried to condition my brain to not get over, uh, too attached to a situation in time, yeah. whether that's good or bad, because that situation will pass. And I don't want to be like, oh, that was the best moment of my life when I believe I will have another best moment of my life. I just can't get attached to one. Um, so no, it was fun. It was great. I loved it. Mentally, I, I ate a bunch of chips, like a pack, a portion of chips before I went, and I shouldn't have done that. I didn't <laughs> like it. I felt very sick, and it was filmed on. It was filmed for TV in this country as well for a morning show. So I looked like a diva when I was coming off the plane. I was like, get that camera out of my face. I'm gonna vomit. Um, but yeah, now mentally, when I just think about it, I think once the date's been set, then I'll start to fathom what's about to mm. come because mm. i'd be interested to know even like what happens if you have a panic attack in space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you astronauts deal yeah, with that yeah 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 it must that's be really true. interesting yeah, it is, yeah. It's very interesting but you know one thing i've kind of realized all of the astronauts i've met have been very very normal mm. like so humble so like there's nothing extraordinary about them but their life and their achievements but when you sit with them they'll make you feel like you're at peace with them as much as they're at peace with the world. It's, it's, yeah. I can't explain it, but they're just very special people. And that's just inspired me to be like, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And I just felt like when I sat with, uh, I think it was Scott Kelly, I was saying to him, I never thought I'd be saying to someone, I want to be like you when I'm older. Mm. But and I know you hear this a lot, but I want to be like you when I'm older because of the way you just carry yourself and how yeah. you are. And I guess that loneliness up there has taught them a lot. Definitely. I think you definitely learn about yourself when you're in space with literally yeah. no one around. When you come back, are you just going to be like, I went to space in every conversation? Because I would. To be honest, I don't really talk about it a lot, you know. Why? I don't know. I don't talk. There's a lot of things I don't really talk about that much. I'm, I'm quite like, I'm a very outgoing, reserved person. You said you wear your heart on your sleeve. Why are there do. space travel on yeah, your yeah, sleeve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, at first, like, I feel like when I'm out with my friends yeah. and... um. People will come up to me and be like, oh, yeah, you're going, I'm tr- you're going space and blah, blah. It can get very annoying for them. And I'm just trying to keep very normal yeah. about my life because I don't want to get lost in the mix in anything. That's so, I, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I've lived a pretty normal life with some great moments. I just want to keep doing good things and just keep my feet, no pun intended, but on the ground. Yeah. And not be like, yeah, yeah, like I'm going space, yeah. And, do you know what I mean? You're being much more grounded than I think most people would be. No, but I, think I would you, just be bragging. But also I think like from my area as well, where I come from in Ilford, like I think I want other people there to think if I've done it, they can do it. Yeah. And I feel like the moment in this life, in this world we live of lifestyle and culture, people throwing stuff on Instagram and, food places and jewelry and 
body image and stuff. I just want to be like, listen, you ain't got, you don't need to do none of that to be happy and content within yourself. Yeah. And that's what I just want to be like a martyr for, I guess. Like, is martyr the right word? Ambassador. Yeah, no, ambassador. Right. Ambassador. Ambassador's Not martyr. That's, that's, that's a bit dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> but like, I just want to just be as normal as I can be. Yeah. I'm inspired by people like Mike Skinner, uh, the streets. Yeah. And um, those that have come from nothing to something, but kept it nothing. Yeah. Kept Do you know what I mean? Humble. Yeah. So are you not going to Instagram any oh, space-related thing? Yeah, yeah, I love Instagram. Yeah. But I I just keep it normal. I'm playing at the Jazz Cafe in June. Oh, I love you, Jazz Cafe. You should, you, should, you should all come down. Um, June 20th, I'm doing my headline poetry show there. Amazing. A lot of my poetry is um, about mental health. Recently, I lost my mum, and um, I'm making a new project that I'm putting out through Universal Music. I'm a signed poet to Virgin. Um, it's all based on bereavement. So I'm hoping to take the audience on a listening journey as to what it's like when you lose your mum mm. or one day will eventually lose your mum it's something we don't really talk about no and I think either. I think we need to address like them pivotal factors of life that will hit you so hard and you have no idea how to deal with way before they're about to come because you never know when it's going to come mm. so that's what's coming up um, just before you go, we'd love to hear some of your poetry, if that's all right. So could you read us some? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm about to release a project called Homemade. Um, main thing because like my mum was my mum took a lot of pride in her cooking and uh, my family owned a restaurant. But ever since she passed away, no one really cooks in the house anymore. And um, so I decided to cook this up. I'll recite a little piece for you called Mum's Kitchen Drawers. There's something about the kitchen drawers. Where you broke the law, you turned knives to swords, hiding things for when we're bored. There's something about the kitchen drawers. There's too much in there, too many little things. Pins and needles and garden things. Hair clips shaped like a bridge and some of the kitchen's smartest things. Magnets that never made the fridge and some of the kitchen's sharpest things. The scissors that never breaks. There are a couple of elastic bands that hang in there no matter whatever it takes. And that little shot glass that hasn't smashed no matter how hard these hinges shake. There's something about the kitchen cakes. How in the fridge they have their own kitchen place. That's the heart of the dinner table. That's the kitchen state. You see, there's something about the cling film firm, the garden birds. There's something about the kitchen window overlooking this kitchen smell. Thinking soon there's air's going to come in herds. And there's something about the kitchen words where you speak when you're spoken to, clear the table when you're chosen to, empty the bin, close the bathroom window and clean the freezer even when the things are frozen too because there's something about your kitchen chair. It holds your sense and it holds a snare, the tiled floor, the garden door, there's something about I beg your pardon for. There's something about everything in this house and there's, I guess there's something about everything and more. Something about the blinds when they close and the stairs going up. The garden rose and our neighbours showing love. There's something about go upstairs and put the lights on. Leave on the little heater when the night's long. Something about this morning radio. There's definitely something about your fight song. There's something about your bedroom door. There's something about me cleaning my bedroom floor. There's something about go and sleep on time, Hussein. That's what bedtime's for. I forgot to tell you lot what was about the garden door. That's where she'd face the world head on. Even when the nights were long, we told her to leave it for later on. She'd never do that. She would go and face it on and there's something about the radio songs. They never sang to me like this, but now they hit my mind like this. They made me cry like this, made me sit by the washing machine, bang my hands on the floor, made me wish I could cry like this and hide like this. There's something about the punch bag, how none of us have ever used it, but we never knew we could fight like this, how we're going every night like this. There's something about the downstairs mirror. 
I see us together when I was a winner. We used to clip in the jewellery behind the back of your neck before we went dinner. There's something about the lights when they glimmer. Now they're cold and they shiver. How the connection between the light switch and the light bulb is a lot slower, it's a lot dimmer. And mum, the hardest thing is, I guess there's something about your son being a sinner. That was really... I mean, that's no, new, thanks, isn't I'm... it? No, so it's new, it. yeah, yeah. Exclusive! <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, no, you're incredible. welcome. That was fantastic. But then I guess hearing that it comes from the heart, like yeah. you just gotta just like express yourself and I'm glad I can. Even like now, like my little sister, it's weird because like in my house, I am the one who's expressive and not my sister. And everyone's like, Oh, it's normally the girls that are really emotional and it's not like when my best friend got married, he cried and the and his bride didn't. And us boys, we, we are emotional and I'm just happy to be like I said earlier, like a vessel of this where I can just channel things. And like, even like now when I read this to my little sister, she was like, could you email me yet? And I was like, oh, so she got her heart. <laughs> so this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Thanks very much, Jane. If you've been affected by any of the issues that we've been chatting about this week, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123, or you can go to their website, which is samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed our show, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at mentallyyrs, or you could join our Mentally Yours Facebook group. Also, please um, give us a review on the iTunes store and rate us. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week.